Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, October 22nd, 2022, the 625th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. You will be supporting me and the work I do and this show as it expands. And if you can't do that or you don't want to do that, just listen for free two days later on a variety of platforms. All I ask is that you share the show with your friends. So last night, the rapper Kanye West, who now just simply goes as yay West, I guess, Joined Tucker Carlson for the full hour of Tucker's show for a really spectacular interview. And the interview is not only spectacular because of the things Kanye says, but because of the attention that's going to be on this, the size of the audience that Kanye commands, in addition to the audience Tucker Carlson already has. And it's not just the size of that audience, it's the makeup of that audience. Now, I'm 43. People my age, from all backgrounds, men and women, even alphabet people, people who are maybe 10 years older, maybe a little bit older than that, people 10 years younger, 20 years younger, maybe some people even younger than that, have at some point loved a Kanye West song or been fans of Kanye West's music. Not everybody, obviously. But anyone who participates in mainstream culture in any way has heard Kanye West's music and has probably liked one song or two songs or many songs. People know who Kanye West is. A lot of those people have been huge Kanye West fans. And even if they're not huge Kanye West fans anymore, they pay attention to Kanye West because Kanye West, like Donald Trump, 
demands attention. And he demands attention because he does things that a lot of people can't do or won't do. And as much as the mainstream gatekeepers would like that not to be true, people still pay attention to Kanye West, even if they're very, very mad and very, very sad about what Kanye West says. So interviews like the one Kanye gave to Tucker Carlson yesterday have the power to insert all of the no-no words and the conversations you're not allowed to have right into the mainstream conversation. That is a pretty incredible level of power. Kanye West is able to bypass the gatekeepers, just like Donald Trump. And because they've both been inside that mainstream high society, they know what that thing is. Now, I've been talking a lot about this interview on social media since it happened last night, and a bunch of people are very skeptical about who Kanye West is, whether or not he's misrepresenting his faith, whether or not he's telling the truth, whether or not he has escaped that society enough to be considered a good person. And naturally, people are going to make their own judgments. But it's important to note that people actually can realize that the world they're in, the world they've built up around themselves, has something very seriously wrong with it and seriously evil about it. I realized that a couple years ago, and that's why I left that behind. And that has changed me. I think Kanye West is probably having some version, some probably ultra enhanced version of the same thing. And I think everybody really needs to take a step back and allow Kanye to be Kanye and watch this as it unfolds, because he seems to be ultimately on the right path. But leaving all those judgments about Kanye West aside, you can still realize the impact that an interview like this will have in terms of collapsing the central narrative. Now, that's something I've been talking about for the entire duration of this show, the narrative collapse. Ultimately, this is going to bring down the whole thing when it reaches a certain critical mass, a certain point. The lies, the censorship, the propaganda, all of those will fail to achieve their intended purpose. And at that point, we are in a different world in terms of the collective cultural mindset and the cultural conversation. So it doesn't matter what you think of Kanye West. This is important. You don't have to like him for doing it. If you're not inclined to extend him that sort of grace or that sort of respect. But I do. I think he's a legend. I think he is a hero for doing what he's doing right now. It is entirely possible and even likely that Kanye West is receiving legitimate and serious death threats for doing what he's doing. On Instagram this morning, he posted two screenshots of a conversation he's having with Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, a.k.a. P. Diddy, a.k.a. Diddy, the guy who has been an extraordinarily famous rapper and producer for the last 25 years. And I want to share these first to contextualize what Kanye West is actually dealing with before we get into these clips. Kanye has his contacts stored in his phone as Puff. So Puff starts out by saying the N-word, but, you know, the safe one with the A on the end, the one that means, hey, we're friends and we're allowed to say this. But if anyone else does, they're racist. He says, send me a address. Let's stop playing these internet games and don't feel threatened. You'll be fine. Just love. So it sounds like he wants to come over. They need to have a very important conversation about how dangerous what Kanye is doing really is. And so Kanye writes back, this ain't a game. I'm going to use you as an example to show the Jewish people that told you to call me that no one can threaten or influence me. I told you this was war. Now gone, get you some business. And his caption under the screenshot was Jesus is Jew. And Puff writes back, I'm just trying to talk to you as a black man. 
And I'm talking to you because this is hurting our people. Stop. Kanye writes back, anything you text, I will post. I love you. And you guys are breaking my heart. I accept your apology in advance. And the caption underneath is God is love. So Kanye's getting hit up by one of his industry peers, a rich and powerful man who has extraordinarily deep connections in the music industry. And he's the kind of guy where if you dug into his past, you could find all sorts of scandals, all sorts of things that would make him look bad, things you could go after him for. But no one does that because Diddy is protected in some sense and useful. And Kanye's making it very clear that he understands that Puff is not doing this of his own accord. He's being asked to do this by rich and powerful people who want Kanye to shut up or at least to be painted as crazy so that people will ignore him. Why does Puff Daddy think that Kanye needs to have a meeting with him so that Puff Daddy can tell Kanye how he's supposed to act. And of course, he doesn't actually think that. It's more a threat than anything. He's saying, hey, man, I really need to talk to you because some really bad stuff is going to happen to you if you keep going down this road. And Kanye knows exactly what it is. He knows the tone. He has been handled before. And this is how it's always done. People find what's being said to be threatening and it upsets their understanding of their place in the world or what's going on in the world. They have gone to their knees, literally or figuratively, to maintain their position in the culture, their power, their wealth, their status. And they don't want to see anyone they're associated with mess that up and tarnish their very perfect reputation. And me on the much smaller scale I was on, obviously, than Kanye West experienced a lot of this, including from celebrities that people would understand immediately to be household names. And of course, their wives. And I don't care who you are. If your life, your lifestyle, your position in society is somehow dependent on maintaining your relationships and your standing with these people, this stuff can be really rattling. But it's even so much worse for someone like Kanye West, who understands that there are people who absolutely want to kill him to shut him up because they've tried everything else and all those other things don't work. What he is doing is undeniably important. And we talked about the White Lives Matter t-shirt earlier in the week, and that's great because he is destroying the BLM narrative and he knows it. And he's happy about it. He said, BLM is a scam. Everyone knows it now. You're welcome. But BLM has always been a scam. And those of us who were saying this years ago, were doing so in the face of intense cultural pressure not to. And that was unfortunate because pretty much everyone knew it at the time. All my young white celebrity friends in Los Angeles who posted a black square on their Instagram profile in order to solve racism knew that what they were doing was a lie, that what they were doing was wrong, but they didn't care because full ideological compliance was demanded of them. And so it had to be demanded from everyone associated with them. And if those people wouldn't comply, well, then those people can't be associated with them anymore because otherwise they would have to defend someone saying the no-no words. Just wearing that t-shirt and making a couple Instagram posts a few days ago was enough to remove most of the power from that aspect of our culture when it comes to Black Lives Matter. And there is enormous cultural benefit of that. Think back to the Molly Ball article in Time magazine in early February 2021 and its discussion of the Transition Integrity Project. Think back to the Transition Integrity Project itself. In both, the conversation was that there were street protests, a.k.a. very peaceful riots, planned if the election result was challenged. If Trump 
actually tried to stay in office. They had riots. They had civil unrest, fully planned, organized and funded. And who does all that stuff? Well, it's Black Lives Matter Antifa who does all that stuff. Black Lives Matter is the cover story. That's what gives Antifa their legitimacy. Antifa is just there to support Black Lives Matter and the fight for justice. But they were all ready to go. Are we really to expect the Democrats are not prepared to use the exact same playbook in the aftermath of this election or maybe even in the run up to it? Now, a lot of people speculate, and I agree there is absolutely something to it, that Black Lives Matter and Antifa have been fully tracked and monitored, and there is a reason that we really haven't seen too much of them since the fall of 2020. I think that there is a lot to that, and it might be exactly right. It is entirely possible that Black Lives Matter and Antifa could not do what they did in 2020, just legitimately could not. But Black Lives Matter as a cultural idea could still be very effective, especially if the communists find the perfect killing of a black man to set the country on fire. It's possible that they could plan this wave of chaos to convince people to stay home and not go vote, especially because MAGA and Republicans are planning to go vote on Election Day in person. If you add a physical threat on to going and doing that, it makes people stay home and they know this is effective because they use it in other countries all across the world. But like everything else, the communists do that effort would need an air of legitimacy. People would have to believe in it on some level to accept it in their society. And that's what we saw in 2020 with people pretending to fight for social justice, people who were solving racism by posting little black squares on Instagram all went and justified everything BLM and Antifa was doing. Take over a few city blocks. That's the summer of love. Burn down a police station. Well, all cops are bastards. Murder people in the streets. Murder Trump supporters. Well, that's all justified because of systemic racism. Break into stores and loot them. Well, that's just reparations. Let criminal rioters out of jail. With the illegitimate vice president's approval? Well, that's just necessary because they were out there battling for racial justice. They're not real criminals. Throw frozen water bottles at federal officers defending a federal courthouse in Portland for 120 straight nights? Shine lasers in their eyes hoping to blind them? Throw bags of human feces at them? Well, that's all justifiable because how else could you ever fight systemic racism, especially when all the laws that make systemic racism impossible have already been passed? And the only remaining institution of systemic racism is, in fact, the Democrat Communist Party and the broader communist movement, you know, the anti-racists. But where is the legitimacy of any of that now? We know they lied about Breonna Taylor. She was not sleeping in her bed. They didn't go to the wrong house. Her boyfriend was a drug dealer and they were armed. We know Jacob Blake wasn't a victim of white on black police violence. Jacob Blake was carrying a knife while the police were trying to arrest him after he had gone to his ex-girlfriend's house to sexually assault her because he believed she was cheating on him. Where is their legitimacy now? Who is going to believe one of their stories? Who wants to see Black Lives Matter and their little communist fist all over Instagram and Twitter? People are already laughing and mocking the ridiculous end racism banner at the end of each end zone in NFL stadiums. The whole thing is shameful. And worse than that, for mainstream culture, it's not even cool anymore. And now Kanye has stepped in and obliterated that narrative. Do not underestimate the impact a narrative collapse can actually have. Again, the communists need 
people to go along with all this. They need people to agree to walk themselves into their own dystopia that's been prepared for them by the communists. They need people to walk themselves into their own death. They want people to go get the experimental gene therapy with a smile on their face. They'd rather not force anybody. They'd rather have everyone just be compliant so that all their ridiculous plans actually work. And of course, this is how it is. And of course, their ridiculous plans always fail because they believe that everyone but them is really stupid and really weak, just like they are. But let's get into the interview. Lanyard's still on from it, and there's a photograph on it. What is that? It's a photograph of a baby's ultrasound. Why is that? And that you designed that? Yes. Why? What does that mean? Uh, it just represents life and pro-life. Boy, so you wear it on a badge. What what kind of response do you get? And, and good, amen, I agree. I don't care about people's responses. I care about the fact that there's more black babies being aborted than born in New York City at this point. That 50% of black death in America is abortion. So I really don't care about people's responses. I perform for an audience of one, and that's God. Now, this isn't Kid Rock saying that. No offense to Kid Rock. But Kid Rock and his brand are relatively easy to pigeonhole and marginalize for the woke mainstream culture. Kanye West, you can't do that with. And not just because he's black, but because he has broad mainstream appeal. These are the no-no words. These are not things that people of Kanye West's stature are supposed to be saying in public. Everyone just agrees we don't say these things because people are going to get very, very mad. And when people get very, very mad, oh, you're in trouble. Now you can't have a career. Now we're going to call you a white supremacist. They'll call Kanye West a white supremacist and, of course, a misogynist because it's abortion. Women have the right to kill babies. In fact, there's a rap song that just came out this week where some chick is twerking and rapping about how great it is to have abortion because she doesn't want to have to deal with any baby daddies. And Kanye West is right. More black babies are being aborted than born in New York City. 50% of black death in America is abortion. Why doesn't Black Lives Matter care about that? Why does Black Lives Matter care most about when police officers kill black criminals at a rate no higher than the rate they kill white criminals. And why is their response to that to defund the police, even though 80 plus percent of black Americans think defunding the police is a really bad idea? And because the clip cut this off, Tucker Carlson was referencing a lanyard Kanye was wearing from the fashion show has a picture of an ultrasound on it. It's funny that Kanye West is also wearing a baseball cap that across the bill, it says 2023. I wonder what he's expecting to happen in 2023. It's a mystery. He's also wearing these big mud boots or rain boots, like he plans to be walking through a flood or having to trudge through a bunch of shit that's not his because I kept on thinking like, you know, people, they're looking for an explanation and people say, well, as an artist, you don't have to give an explanation, but as a leader, you do. Yes, I think that's right. So the answer to why I wrote White Lives Matter on a shirt is because they do. It's the obvious thing. Yeah. Now, the last part should go without saying white lives matter, black lives matter, all lives matter. In fact, all lives matter is the best and easiest position, but that position was called racist by Black Lives Matter and all the communists and child brains supporting them. It's actually anti-racist, don't you see, to promote the idea that only Black Lives Matter and you know that it's actually anti-racist and not racist to promote that kind of culture. Because the people saying it are doing so many things to protect black lives and never anything that harms them. But the other part of that clip was great, too. 
As an artist, you don't have to explain, but as a leader, you do. And that's very accurate. The art should speak for itself. Kanye West, as an artist, doesn't owe anyone an explanation of his art because part of the point of art is that it speaks to different people differently. And people are supposed to draw the meaning out of it and apply it to their own lives and their own understanding, if that's what they choose. But as a leader, you do have to explain. You have to tell people there is an actual justification for my position and for why I approach things this way. And if you agree with my rationale, if you agree with my conclusions, then follow me because this is who I am and this is how I represent myself. And my dad would see certain things and say, you know, we should do it this way. We should do it that way. And the people got around my mom and pulled her away, much like, you know, Kim is a Christian, but she has people who want her to go to Interview Magazine and put her ass out while she's a 40-something-year-old multi-billionaire with four black children. And this is what, how fashion wants to, um, how they want to present her. Now, that's important, not just because Kim Kardashian is, was his wife, but because he's making an important point about how men in certain positions can be manipulated and controlled, how they can be handled. Men who respect their wives, who want to make their wives happy, who don't want their wives to have a hard time every time they leave the house. They don't want them to have a hard time in their own social groups and who don't want to cause their wives trouble. They will listen to their wives when they say that something they're doing is causing them all that trouble. And in a normal relationship, in a normal context, that makes a lot of sense. That's generally how to have a more productive relationship, unless the person is being manipulated from the outside. And if you don't think the Kardashians are being manipulated from the outside, you're insane. It's part of the deal when you take a group of people who show relatively no talent for anything and make them extremely famous, extremely wealthy, and extremely powerful, that they're going to behave and play along. And within the party of false decorum, within the false reality, that's very powerful because those people's entire lives are set up to achieve the sorts of things that the Kardashians have achieved. From the outside, they look like they have incredible lives, glamour, vacation, tons and tons of plastic surgery, and more money than you can ever imagine. But you have to play along. You can't stop playing along. You can't stop playing along even if we turn your dad into a woman. Imagine that kind of influence. And then also imagine that someone like Kim Kardashian can just be pushed slowly right toward Kanye West and they can believe they're having a very real relationship, an important relationship, while the entire time they are effectively under complete control. Kim Kardashian directly and then Kanye through Kim Kardashian. At that point, Kim Kardashian is basically just Kanye's handler. She's going to keep Kanye under control. Think about what that would do to your mind. After becoming one of the most successful and richest people in the country, he still wasn't free to say what he thought. And that changed his life, that realization. More of our conversation with West now. There's a group mob. It's like liberal Nazis. Oh, he's definitely not allowed to say that. Everyone knows Nazis are right wing, even though that's absolutely not possible. And we can see it with our own eyes as it plays out in the world today. But you're not allowed to say it. You're never allowed to say it. But here's the thing. Now it's too late. It's already been said. The fact that Nazis are not far right, they're far left, or maybe more accurately, an outgrowth of elite communism is now part of the mainstream public conversation. Now let's talk about Gabby and my good friend Lizzo. Lizzo works with my trainer, a friend of mine, Harley Pasternak, Harley, Harley Pasternak. 
when Lizzo loses 10 pounds and announces it, the bots, uh, that's a term for uh, people like, it's like telemarketer call, callers, right. like on Instagram, they attack her for losing weight because the media wants to put out a perception that being overweight is the new goal when it's actually unhealthy. Yes. Let's get aside the fact of whether it's fashion and vogue, which it's not. Let's, uh, let's just, or if someone thinks it's attractive, to each his own. It's actually clinically unhealthy. And for people to, to promote that, um, it's, a, it's demonic. Now, I am no fan of Lizzo. I think the entire brand that is Lizzo is disgusting. I think it's a disgrace. I think that her playing that James Madison flute last week was a desecration. And I think it's pretty obvious that that was the purpose of that event. But he makes a great point. The idea that it is healthy to be obese and that it's fashionable, which he rightly points out it is not, and that we have to apply obesity to our standards of beauty is meant to demoralize people and further detach them from reality. They are intentionally stripping away the standards that we might strive to attain in order to better ourselves and better our own lives. And it's no accident that that is targeted, particularly at black Americans. It's bold that he calls it demonic. And it is. It is the promotion of an obvious evil for its own sake. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying being obese is evil in any way. I'm saying that the promotion of that as something good and healthy is evil in the same way that they promote rampant drug use or the culture around sex and sexuality or the permanent addictions to social media and video games. They are encouraging what they know is bad for people. And not to make those people happier, it's to remove the idea from people that they actually can have better for themselves. Make the entire culture about what feels good and is immediately available. Focus all your attention on choosing that stuff always because there is no higher purpose. All of life is just about materialistic hedonism and acquiring as much material and having as many hedonistic experiences as possible. And then you die. How, when did you start to feel this way? When did you start to realize this? I, I really felt like, I think I started to really feel this need to express myself on another level when Trump was running for office and I liked him yes. and every single person in Hollywood from my ex-wife to my mother-in-law to my manager at that time to you know my my so-called friends slash handlers around me told me like if I said that I like Trump that my career would be over that my life would be over uh, they said stuff like people get killed for wearing a hat like that they threatened my life they put my life they basically said that I would be killed uh, for uh, wearing the hat. I had a, a, someone call me last night and said anybody wearing a White Lives Matter shirt is going to be greenlit, and that means that they're going to beat them up if they wear it. And I'm like, you know, okay, green light me then. <laughs> you, know, you know, God builds warriors in a different way. I don't know if it's because of me being a born in Atlanta and growing up on the south side of Chicago that, you know, he made me for such a such a time like this. It's like with David, you know, he tended to the sheep, but while he was out there, he had to fight all kinds of animals. So when it was time for Goliath to come, he thought because he was a sheep herder that he didn't have the skill set to take down Goliath. And the thing that I have is the position I have, my heart, but the number one thing is we have God on our side. And for the people, even if you don't believe in God, God believes in you. Now, I love that. 
And I agree with it fully because I experienced something very similar. In early July of 2020, I posted a picture of myself, the first selfie I had taken in like seven years in a Keep America Great hat on Instagram. And I said, I welcome your hatred. And it was unbelievable how much hatred I got. People who had known me for years, good friends of mine, people who a year earlier would have proudly said that they adore me, that we're friends, people who attended my birthday party in 2019. There were 400 people there, many of whom you might recognize or whose work you'd know. But I did the worst possible thing. I said I liked Donald Trump in public. And everybody knows that even if you like Donald Trump, and even if you're going to vote for Donald Trump, you're just not allowed to say it. They'll tolerate you to a point. They'll talk behind your back and try to get the mob to influence you. They'll spread rumors about your life, call you crazy. And that's if you're silent about it. But if you say something, all of that stuff immediately goes public to attack and destroy you so that no one else will say the same thing. They want to make an example of you and they'll use the power they have, which is all social and cultural, all based on status and wealth and power. But all of that is a facade. Underneath that, there is nothing they can do to harm you, especially if you've made peace with the mistakes from your past. And if you're in that position, well, then they just start making things up about you. I remember the day I posted that a degenerate, unemployed drug addict who owed me money screenshotted my post and posted on his Instagram that I was a rapist, a dude I hadn't seen in five years who couldn't substantiate that claim in any way. And by the way, no one else can either. And then he went on to call me a fascist and a Nazi because I wore a red baseball cap supporting the current president of the United States, who, by the way, was legitimately elected, not like the demented old criminal fool who's pretending to be president right now. But it doesn't matter. They'll do whatever it takes to make you shut up. And if you just keep on going, there's absolutely nothing they can do to you. And I want to just play this part again. You know, you know, God builds warriors in a different way. He made me for such a such a time like this. Now, a few years ago, that's something I would have laughed at and maybe mocked because I didn't believe in God and I didn't believe that I had an ultimate purpose except the one I found for myself in the material world. And it wasn't so much nihilism as it was relativism. I believed that I had to subscribe to my own moral code most of the time. And if I failed myself, I would either have to get right with that or find a way to rationalize and justify what I had done. And again, I don't think that I've ever done anything truly awful. But I'm certain that I've caused suffering and undue suffering in people's lives where we weren't seeing eye to eye, where maybe I thought a situation was different than the way the other person involved in the situation perceived it. I'm sure that applies to my personal life. I'm sure it applies to my business life. But I don't think there's too many people in the world who can't say that to some degree. And I think the way he put that is beautiful. God makes warriors a different way. And he was made for a time such as this. Our mainstream culture does not prize people who fall out of line until those people are necessary. And I don't think Kanye is saying he's special. And I don't think that I'm special. I think everyone has that warrior inside them. And I think we have to recognize that because we are in a time such as this and we need warriors. And I'm glad that there are people with the megaphones that Donald Trump has, that Kanye West has, and that people like Elon Musk, frankly, have, because we can all say the things that need to be said within our own little communities or with whatever public voice we have. 
But we need people with the ability to say these things to everyone at the same time so that everyone's attention is focused on the same idea at the same time. Why did you like him, by the way? You said you liked him early, like you saw him. In the- I mean, uh, I, I keep telling this joke. If people say Trump was the first black president, I'm going to be the first Latino president because all the values the, the conservative values just line up. Come on, man. Trump's this shit. What do you mean? He has his own buildings. We talk about it. He's like, <laughs> like Ralph Lauren. He made Ivanka. <laughs> Trump's the shit. He has buildings. He's like Ralph Lauren. And if you know Kanye West, you'll know that Kanye West prides himself on the fact that, at least he believes, he made polo shirts cool or made them cool again. The point is that Ralph Lauren is a classic. Donald Trump is a classic. He's a success story. He's a powerful man. And you're not allowed to say those things now, even though absolutely everybody said them for Trump's entire life until he got involved in politics. And it's funny because no one actually denies that. No one denies how big a cultural figure and a cultural icon Donald Trump has been throughout his life. And that's what makes it so obvious that they're all lying now. Trump wanted nothing but the best for this country. And it doesn't like Moses stuttered and saying God is not always going to bring the most perfect personality. A lot of times the most fake people, their job is talking and making people feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, and the realest people are going to make you feel uncomfortable at first. Exactly. And why do the fakest people enjoy so much success and so much status and so much power? Well, because they will play the game all the time. Their only purpose in life is to continue climbing the rungs on the ladder in the party of false decorum. There is nothing else to them. All they care about is impressing the people they need to impress. And they are willing to make themselves appear however necessary to accomplish that. Kanye West isn't being exiled from the party of false decorum. He's leaving it. They tried. They threatened him with exile. And he turned around and said, oh, it's like that. Well, I'll just leave. Because I don't respect you and I don't respect your power or your status or your wealth. And I don't respect the mob you think you can get on your side by gathering all of the other people in the party of false decorum. All those people who have been corrupted, who have been compromised and don't have the strength or the intelligence or the character to actually speak for themselves. I'm going to leave the whole damn thing behind. And you can't do anything about it. So if you want to kill me, kill me. But I will never bend the knee to you sad and pathetic losers. And I will never watch you tear down this society without speaking up. Kanye is an absolute hero. Switching subjects without a segue. Yesterday, the comedic actor in Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, said, Preemptive strikes are needed so that they know what awaits them if they use nuclear weapons, not the other way around, waiting for Russia's nuclear strikes and then saying, oh, you've done that, then get this. That's right. The comedic actor, the puppet president of Ukraine, a country that barely exists, wants the West, NATO, the United States, the United Kingdom the CIA, the global communists behind them to launch a nuclear first strike against Russia so that Russia won't use nuclear weapons. And naturally, that makes absolutely no sense. But you can't just leave the comedic actor out there hanging. So the demented and deranged illegitimate president of the United States decided to run to his defense at a fundraising dinner. This is from PBS, you know, state media. 
Biden says nuclear Armageddon at highest risk since Cuban Missile Crisis. President Joe Biden is declaring that the risk of nuclear Armageddon is at the highest level since the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, as Russian officials speak of using tactical nuclear weapons after suffering massive setbacks in the eight-month invasion of Ukraine. Speaking at a Democratic fundraiser, Biden said Thursday night that Russian President Vladimir Putin is a guy I know fairly well, and the Russian leader is, quote, not joking when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons. And I would agree that Vladimir Putin is not joking, but he is also not really talking about those things. He has said that Russia will defend itself and no options are off the table. And it's funny that the idiot in chief is just adding in biological and chemical weapons there as if Putin is the guy who had the bio labs in Ukraine funded by the U.S. Department of Defense in coordination with companies Joe Biden's own family was facilitating investments in that were studying deadly pathogens, you know, as a defensive mechanism. Biden added, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. He suggested the threat from Putin is real because his military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. And that, too, is total nonsense derived from the total inversion within the false reality. U.S. officials for months have warned of the prospect that Russia could use weapons of mass destruction in Ukraine as it has faced strategic setbacks on the battlefield, though Biden's remarks marked the starkest warnings yet by the U.S. government about nuclear stakes. Still, nothing has changed in the U.S. intelligence assessments that in recent weeks have shown no evidence that Putin has imminent plans to deploy nuclear weapons, according to U.S. officials. One official who was not authorized to comment publicly and spoke on condition of anonymity added that Biden was speaking broadly about the administration's growing concerns about Putin's threats. Biden was conveying that the White House sees Putin's rhetoric, quote, as reckless and irresponsible and is taking it seriously, the official said. The official added that Biden's remarks are in line with warnings he's made in speeches at the U.N. General Assembly and that other senior administration officials have made recently. The president's new remarks came after White House officials this week said they have seen no change to Russia's nuclear forces that would require a change in the alert posture of U.S. nuclear forces. We have not seen any reason to adjust our own strategic nuclear posture, nor do we have indication that Russia is preparing to eminently use nuclear weapons, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said Tuesday. The 13-day showdown in 1962 that followed the U.S. discovery of the Soviet Union's secret deployment of nuclear weapons to Cuba is regarded by experts as the closest the world has ever come to nuclear annihilation. The crisis during President John F. Kennedy's administration sparked a renewed focus on arms control on both sides of the Iron Curtain. Biden on Thursday also challenged Russian nuclear doctrine, warning that the use of a lower yield tactical weapon could quickly spiral out of control into global destruction. I don't think there is any such thing as the ability to easily use a tactical nuclear weapon and not end up with Armageddon, Biden said. He added that he was still trying to figure out Putin's off-ramp in Ukraine. Where does he find a way out, Biden asked. Where does he find himself in a position that he does not only lose face, but also lose significant power within Russia? Well, he doesn't actually need that off-ramp because there's no chance that's going to happen within Russia. Putin has repeatedly alluded to using his country's vast nuclear arsenal, including last month when he announced plans to conscript Russian men to serve in Ukraine. I want to remind you that our country also has various means of destruction. And when the territorial integrity of our country is threatened to protect Russia and our people, we will certainly use all means at our disposal. Putin said September 21st, adding with a lingering stare at the camera, it's not a bluff. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said last week that the U.S. has been clear to Russia about what the consequences of using a nuclear weapon in Ukraine would be. 
This is something that we are attuned to, taking very seriously and communicating directly with Russia about, including the kind of decisive responses the United States would have if they went down that dark road, Sullivan said. And naturally, Jake Sullivan is not only an idiot and a communist, but completely compromised, and he has been involved in this situation for years, to the point where you can safely say he is partly responsible for this situation. Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky said earlier Thursday that Putin understands that the world will never forgive a Russian nuclear strike. He understands that after the use of nuclear weapons, he would be unable anymore to preserve, so to speak, his life. And I'm confident of that, Zelensky said. And as we all know, Volodymyr Zelensky is someone everyone can trust and everyone must take seriously. Biden's comments came during a private fundraiser for Democratic Senate candidates at the Manhattan home of James and Catherine Murdoch. Wait, Biden's doing a fundraiser at the home of the Murdochs? Are those the same Murdochs that own Fox News? Yeah, they are. He tends to be more unguarded, often speaking with just rough notes in such settings, which are open to only a handful of reporters without cameras or recording devices. And there you have it. State media just gets the scraps. So the illegitimate president, Joe Biden, is talking up a potential nuclear World War Three, a potential Armageddon. And we're all supposed to be very, very scared of this. We're supposed to believe that Vladimir Putin has some reason to launch a nuclear first strike and that he's going to do it and that it might be in one of the Ukrainian territories he's already made part of Russia. Now, they've been prefacing this nuclear scenario for quite a while. Remember a couple of months ago, there was a nice little cartoon PSA giving advice on what you should do in the case of nuclear fallout. Step one, go inside. Step two, stay inside. Step three, watch media. And that's it. You're safe. Just don't come outside ever. Don't check for yourself. Just trust the TV. The world is ending and you can't come out, especially not to vote. So they've been seeding this narrative for a little while. Then this week, it was announced by the DHS that they were purchasing an anti-radiation drug called N-Plate. They said it was part of their, quote, ongoing efforts to be better prepared to save lives following radiological and nuclear emergencies. Continuing the narrative seeding that there is going to be a nuclear attack Vladimir Putin is going to be responsible for it. And whatever happens after that, you're going to be okay with. You'll approve of because, you know, that crazy dictator over in Russia just wants to destroy everything and everyone forever. There's just no reason to believe Vladimir Putin would actually do that. As we've talked about many times, Vladimir Putin was very clear about what his goals in Ukraine were when the special military operation began. Crimea remains part of Russia. The Donbass is independent. Ukraine will remain neutral, which means they don't join the EU or NATO. And Ukraine must be demilitarized and denazified. Now, he has accomplished every one of those goals in part or in full and has actually overperformed in terms of leaving the Donbass as independent republics. Donetsk and Luhansk are now part of Russia. So are Kherson and Zaporozhye. And with it, Putin has taken over a huge part of Ukraine's population and a huge part of Ukraine's productivity. Ukraine's army, to the extent that they have one, beyond the Nazi battalions and the 10,000 very brave citizens Volodymyr Zelensky just handed guns to, has been decimated. Volodymyr Zelensky is a puppet with no control. Ukraine is armed and funded by the West to the extent that those arms and funding are even arriving in Ukraine, and by and large, they are not. The people doing the fighting on Ukraine's side are foreign mercenaries and military contractors. The intelligence 
is not Ukrainian. It's coming from NATO and the West, Five Eyes, the United States, the United Kingdom. And so is their strategy. And as I mentioned, their country is about 75% the size it was when they started. And most of the resources, most of the productivity, and most of the people are all Russian now. So why in the world would Vladimir Putin launch a first strike nuclear attack? And the obvious answer is he wouldn't. Why would someone else do that? Well, it's because they need World War III or else they're absolutely screwed. But the comedic actor has walked his comments back since yesterday. Now he says that by preemptive strikes, he actually meant new Western sanctions to prevent a nuclear war. As if the original round of sanctions was successful. And of course it wasn't. The original round of sanctions directly targeted the Russian economy and by virtue of that, the Russian people. They wanted to keep Russia under the control of the Western central banks. And instead, Russia has joined a currency alliance with China, Brazil, India, and South Africa, representing half of the world's people. They made it so the sale of Russian energy resources was conducted in rubles. And the Russian currency is stronger than before the sanctions happened. The sanctions were a complete and utter failure. And now Zelensky wants more sanctions to prevent Vladimir Putin from launching a nuclear first strike. What kind of addled brain would possibly believe any of this? And you might respond, oh, it's the degenerate pretending to be president. He would believe this stuff. And it's true. He might. But fortunately, no one else around him does. This is Karine Jean-Pierre. Did the president plan to use the word Armageddon? Why did he choose that particular reference to Revelation 1616? Okay, so Russia's talk of using nuclear weapons is irresponsible. And there's no way to use, uh, to use them without unintended consequences. It cannot happen. Uh, we, want, we won't be intimidated by Putin's rhetoric. We have not seen any reason to adjust our own nuclear posture, nor do we have indications they are preparing to use them, but Putin can de-escalate this at any time, and there is no reason to escalate. There's no reason to escalate. That's exactly right, which is why he's not doing it. So why are Volodymyr Zelensky and the fake president in the United States doing it? It's a mystery, but it sure seems like they want it. it sure seems like they want the people of the world to unite behind an effort to create a World War III, a kinetic World War III with Russia, because just like Kanye West, Vladimir Putin is not going to play their game no matter how many bad things they say about him. To this point, with what we've witnessed over the past seven and a half months, there's absolutely no reason to believe that these threats from the West from Zelensky, from Biden, have any teeth to them whatsoever. They are trying to create a public narrative. And they may go so far as to stage an event to cement that narrative. And it's always important to remember with the false flag stuff that there are two ways to consider a false flag. The event itself may be fake and may be talked about it. It may be legitimately staged or the event may be real and the responsibility for the event gets misattributed and then the narrative builds from there. That is entirely possible. And that scenario is why they're building this narrative ground over time. These sorts of statements make headlines. Joe Biden talking about how close we are to nuclear Armageddon makes headlines. Karine Jean-Pierre walking it back does not. Volodymyr Zelensky suggesting a preemptive strike makes headlines. Volodymyr Zelensky pretending he was talking about new sanctions does not. And so the narrative grows despite the fact that nothing supporting that narrative is real in any way. Again, all they want is Vladimir Putin to back down and for the people of the world to believe them and side with them. Well, neither one of those things is going to happen. And they kind of know it but they can't say it. So what do they do instead? 
They pretend to talk tough. This is Finnish Prime Minister Sana Marin, who just a few weeks ago was doing cute Instagrams while partying her ass off. So, you know, she's a very, very serious world leader, but also super relatable on Instagram. Way out of the conflict. Way out of the conflict. The way out of the conflict is to Russia to leave Ukraine. That's the way out of the conflict. Thank you. <laughs> the way out of the conflict is for Russia to leave Ukraine. And then she laughs because everybody knows that that's the only way it ends. Russia has to leave Ukraine. Well, hey, Ms. Prime Minister, what you're actually asking for now, if we exist in the real world, is for Russia to leave Russia. And they're not going to do that. Lynn Wood posted this last night on Telegram. And honestly, I'm not interested in your opinions about Lynn Wood at all. Regardless of your opinions, he nailed it right here. This is a great little flashback to Donald Trump handling a reporter from the state propaganda media. To tell you anything about what response I do, I don't talk about military response. I don't say I'm going into Mosul in four months. We are going to attack Mosul in four months, then three months later. We are going to attack Mosul in one month. Next week, we are going to attack Mosul. In the meantime, Mosul is very, very difficult. You know why? Because I don't talk about military and I don't talk about certain other things. You're going to be surprised to hear that. And by the way, my whole campaign, I'd say that. So I don't have to tell you. I don't want to be one of these guys that say, yes, uh, here's what we're going to do. I don't have to do that. I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do in North Korea. Wait a minute. I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do in North Korea. And I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do with Iran. You know why? Because they shouldn't know. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Speak softly and carry a big stick. Or speak loudly and carry a big stick. Just don't tell anyone what you're going to do with the stick. And pretty much everybody knows that that's the right approach, except for the communists. But you got to think they know it too. So why do they do the other thing? Well, it's because they think that they can influence situations with their words. They can back someone down with their words by telling them what they're going to do over and over and over again. But that doesn't work when no one believes you. That doesn't work when everyone can see you're incompetent and not up to the moment. When everyone knows you've seized power illegitimately, when everyone knows you're a liar and a hypocrite and a fraud and a criminal and senile, when everyone knows you don't hold real power and you're not the one making decisions, the threat can't even be taken seriously until you get everyone on your side and no one is joining anymore. Putin understands that just like Donald Trump understands that, just like Elon Musk understands that, and just like Kanye West understands that. All that's left is for everyone else to understand that and follow their lead. You don't need to take these people seriously. You don't need to take their threats seriously. And you don't need to respect them. They are evil and they are incompetent. And their power is a facade. Laugh in their faces and never back down. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash imyourmoderator. And I'll see you soon, out on the range.
It's high noon! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hot!